Dr. Karen Horton from Johns Hopkins. This is part three of our series on CT imaging of the spleen. And in this segment, we're going to focus on malignant lesions of the spleen. Start with question number six, and you can see an image here, a contrast-enhanced axial CT scan. And there's a large mass kind of centered in the medial portion of the spleen, and then there are a few lymph nodes in the splenic hilum. So take a good look at that. And what's your most likely diagnosis? Is it a hamartoma, lymphoma, sarcoid, angiosarcoma, or literal cell angioma? And I've shown you examples of hamartomas and literal cell angiomas already. It doesn't quite look like that. This is a case of lymphoma of the spleen. Now, there can be uh, primary splenic tumors can be separated into lymphoid, basically arising from the white pulp, or non-hematolymphoid, which is the red pulp. But lymphomas, primary splenic lymphomas, are actually very... Um, uncommon just to have a, a, a lymphoma that's only involved in the spleen. It only represents 1 to 2 percent of all lymphomas, but if you have a splenic tumor, then actually it's the most common primary malignancy of the spleen. Okay, So although it's a rare place for lymphoma to occur primarily, it is a common malignant tumor in the spleen, just because in general, most splenic tumors are not malignant. So you could see that it's usually non-Hodgkin's B-cell. And to be a primary splenic lymphoma means really it's a solitary mass with maybe splenomegaly and some adenopathy, but it isn't a systemic lymphoma. So you don't have a lot of adenopathy in other places. More commonly, you'll have secondary splenic involvement by lymphoma, and that's common in both Hodgkin's and non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And at the time of diagnosis, in fact, the spleen is involved in almost a quarter of cases. It could appear as just an enlarged spleen, or it could appear as miliary nodules, so tiny little nodules, larger nodules, or just a solitary mass, and then there's usually associated adenopathy. So here's a case of a patient with lymphoma with splenic involvement, and on the left is before treatment, on the right is after treatment, and you could see that after treatment, the size of the spleen has shrunk. But just the size of the spleen doesn't always tell you lymphoma is involving the spleen. So you can have a lymphoma with splenomegaly, and it's not related to the lymphoma itself. So you can't assume just because the spleen's large that the, it's infiltrated by lymphoma. Here's another patient with lymphoma, and you can see little tiny low-density lesions in the enlarged spleen. Here are larger lesions. Remember, they could be miliary lesions. It could be diffuse infiltration. It could be a single lesion or multiple lesions. And here's a patient with B-cell lymphoma with splenic involvement, a lot of adenopathy. Okay, you'd never just see these lesions in the spleen without associated adenopathy in these cases. And here's a primary splenic lymphoma involving the hilum of the spleen. You can see a lot of nodes there in the hilum. And here's a recent case of a couple of low-density splenic lesions. One's pretty large, maybe six or seven centimeters, and this is lymphoma. And here's a very large tumor growing out of the spleen into the perisplenic fat. Here you can see it's involving the stomach, and there's nodes there. So you certainly, if you saw this case, would consider a malignancy. And again, the most common primary malignancy of the spleen is going to be lymphoma. And one more case, a lot of adenopathy, and then the splen low-density splenic lesions. This is a patient with CLL infiltrating the spleen. So it's you can see a couple of tiny low-density areas, but it's more the whole spleen is infiltrated by tumor, and there's... Um, splenomegaly as well. Now we're going to talk a little bit about angiosarcoma of the spleen. Everybody's worried about angiosarcoma of the spleen, but it's exceedingly rare. It's less than a case per million. So odds are you're never going to see a case in your practice. The reason people are concerned about it, it's a highly aggressive malignancy in that it 
it will spread very quickly. So it's not a tumor that you want to miss or misdiagnose as a benign lesion. Patients are almost always symptomatic. So you're, it's incredibly unlikely that you would diagnose an incidental angiosarcoma. Okay, but if patients present with abdominal pain or a palpable mass or bleeding associated with the spleen, then you really want to consider that maybe it's a primary splenic angiosarcoma. The age is usually, you know, 50 to 79. Males are slightly more common than females. And the appearance is going to be the spleen is typically enlarged, and there may be one or more masses. On non-contrast, they're often bleeding associated with them. So it's good to get a non-contrast if you see high density is due to bleeding. So if you see a splenic lesion that's bleeding, then angiosarcoma goes way up on your list. Then post-contrast, it's very irregular. These are aggressive tumors. They tend to be poorly marginated, um, can be hypodense, peripheral enhancement, the appearance sometimes could overlap with some of the other tumors, but these are very much more aggressive. So here's one from the literature, splenomegaly is the key. And in this case, you kind of see low density. I'm not sure in this case whether, whether I would have really thought that this was an angiosarcoma, but I would have thought it was an aggressive splenic malignancy to give you splenomegaly and all these low density lesions. Here's an old case from Hopkins. It's a non-contrast, not that great, but you can see multiple low density lesions throughout the spleen. And here's a case where there's an enhancing lesion in the spleen. It almost looks like a hemangioma, but there's similar lesions in the liver. Most patients who present with angiosarcoma of the spleen have liver metastasis. So if you ever see an enhancing lesion in the spleen and also see enhancing liver lesions, you should be considering maybe it's metastatic angiosarcoma. Here's a non-contrast study showing you the hemorrhage. So if you see splenic lesions with blood, then you should definitely consider an angiosarcoma. So if you are considering angiosarcoma, you could do a biopsy. Um, Image-guided biopsies are safe um, if done very carefully in the spleen. Uh, you need to assess the clotting parameters because that's the number one complication would be bleeding. There's about a 10% complication rate with biopsy in the spleen. But in most series, it's very, very successful. We rarely need to biopsy the spleen in Hopkins, only once every couple of years. Most of the time, we can figure out what the lesion is without resorting to biopsy or biopsy wouldn't be needed in aggressive appearing lesions because they're going to go to surgery. Uh, small needles are important, FNA rather than core, and you need to be prepared for bleeding. Check the coags ahead of time and have everything set up just in case you have uncontrolled bleeding. The patient may need to have an emergent splenectomy. Now certainly angiosarcomas are the poorest prognosis of the primary splenic malignancies. Most patients are dead within 12 months. Two-thirds of the patients have metastasis at the time of diagnosis. So again, if you have splenic plus liver lesions, you got to think maybe it's metastatic angiosarcoma, especially if they're vascular lesions. The tumor spread to liver, lung, lymph nodes, bone, and brain. Those are the most common. And again, most people, by the time they present, they're going to be symptomatic and have metastatic disease. Just mention a minute the role of PET. So if you have a lesion that you think is an aggressive lesion, probably a malignancy, what can you do? Well, it's very limited in the research what PET can do. Here was one example where they were looking at solid splenic metastasis in patients with and without known splenic malignancy, and they found the sensitivity and specificity of using PET in differentiating benign and malignant solid tumors in patients with and without malignant disease. So in patients with malignant disease, it was excellent. You can see sensitivity, specificity, positive predictive value was really 100%. In patients without known malignant disease, it wasn't as good. 
Um, but still, it may play a role, especially if you're pretty sure it's a benign lesion um, and you want to try to avoid a biopsy, it may be worth doing. But again, if you really think it's an aggressive malignancy, you're probably either going to biopsy or they're going to go to splenectomy. Splenic metastasis, we definitely need to discuss that. So splenic metastasis are common at autopsy. So almost 10% of patients with widespread malignancy will have splenic metastasis. But many, many of these will only be on microscopic exam. When you see splenic metastasis in real life, the patients always have other sites of metastatic disease. So to have isolated splenic metastasis is reportable. It's incredibly uncommon. So if you have a patient with a known malignancy and you do a scan and you see a couple splenic lesions but you don't see METs anyplace else, you should assume that those are not metastasis because it's incredibly uncommon to have METs to the spleen unless you see METs in other places. And benign splenic lesions, as we talked about, are very common. So it's maybe just a patient with a malignancy who has a couple of splenic lymphangiomas or hemangiomas. The most common primaries to metastasize to the spleen are lung, breast, and melanoma. And the CT appearance typically would look like METs in other places, multiple nodules, or in some case, diffuse infiltration of the spleen. So here's a nice example of splenic metastasis with liver metastasis. So that's an easy diagnosis there. Patients with ovarian cancer, I want to mention that the splenic metastasis can be very cystic, as in this case, you see ascites, you see metastasis in the falciform ligament of the liver, and a cystic lesion in the spleen. So you don't want to blow off cystic lesions in the spleen in ovarian cancer patients because they're very likely... Um, metastatic disease. It is helpful if you have old studies. On any patient with a splenic lesion, you should look at the old exam to see if the lesion was there. Metastatic melanoma. Here's a patient you can see with both liver and splenic metastasis. Again, the splenic lesions can look very low density, almost cystic, but not quite cystic. They're not going to measure water density. They'll measure higher than water density, but they can look low density. And so they might, you might get them confused with benign lesions. But again, you have metastatic disease in other locations. So you have to consider that the splenic lesions are also metastatic. Here's a patient with bladder cancer and has metastasis. You can see low density lesions in the liver and the spleen. And actually the splenic lesions look very similar to the hepatic lesions. And also there's big necrotic nodes in the porta. So when you're looking for splenic metastasis, or sorry, when you're looking for metastatic disease in a patient with a known malignancy and you see something in the spleen, you need to look at the other organs. If there are metastasis in other organs, then the spleen is most likely going to be a metastasis in a lot of cases. But if you don't see any metastatic disease in any other organs, then I would mention it. I would say it's indeterminate. And then I usually say something like isolated splenic metastasis are extremely uncommon, and these may represent benign disease. And you certainly don't want to alter the treatment course of the patient based on a few splenic lesions. Here's a patient with a large mass, kind of in the splenic hilum involving the pancreatic tail. And this was an islet cell tumor of the pancreas, which invaded the spleen. So remember, metastatic disease isn't always hematogenously spread. You can have local involvement of the spleen from tumors. Typically, it will be the tail of pancreas. Sometimes it would be the left kidney, adrenal possibly in a large case, or the colon. So these are other organs where if there's a mass in there, then they can secondarily involve the spleen. Okay, that finishes up our section on malignant splenic tumors.